Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ashley. And I'm Katie. And today, this is part two of a three-part series that we are doing that's centered around basically an empowering message that is anti-diet culture or anti the type of messaging that we hear before summer. So if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the first episode, which was last week, I would highly recommend doing so because they're going to be tied in together. There are a lot of things that we do differently at Plant Center Nutrition and this podcast and then the episode before and after this podcast basically highlight what those are. Cause yes, we're all about plant-based eating, but we're all about a lot of other things too. And today is going to be one of those things where we talk about really what's important at the core of plant-centered nutrition, which is ways to measure success without using the scale, without using your weight, without using the size in your pants, without using the scale to measure your success. Because so often, especially with dieting and diet culture, the scale is like the center of all of these types of uh, programs and platforms. But if you're wanting to get away from that, how the heck do you measure success without using the scale? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And that just conjured up kind of like a visual. If you're kind of thinking about your health goals, weight loss usually is kind of like in the middle. And then you have all these kind of arms that go across Mm -hmm. where your wellness and your health should be, you know, how you feel should be in the middle and all these things affect that. And weight loss may be kind of a, you know, uh, an eventual arm or whatever of maybe something that might align with what your goals are, but should not be the focus. So that's such a good way to put it, Ashley. Yes. It's kind of like when people thought that the earth was at the center of the universe and everything circled it, I think is what they thought, (laughs) (laughs) but the sun is actually at the center. So we're basically just switching up what we, what I say, we, as in like what diet culture says, quote, should be at the center. We're switching up for the sun because it's so much better. Yeah. Uh, So we, what we really focus on is really the changes that you feel. So especially when a client's working with us one-on-one, we really talk about how do you feel and the changes that you see in your behaviors and your habits and changes that you notice in how you think about yourself or what you say to yourself on a day-to-day basis or what you say to yourself when you look in the mirror or don't say to yourself, whatever that is. And the intuitive eating workbook says it so, so beautifully that the scale is a meaningless measure of what is truly important. And then they also go on to say, because we both love the intuitive eating book and the workbook, that one of the most immediate ways to show respect to your body is to stop weighing yourself. Oh, (laughs) that can be, that can be tough to, that can be tough to swallow. Yeah. Especially if there's those of you like me, where it was a, it was a practice. You buy a scale and you do it every single day. And like, sometimes that's how your day starts to be like, okay, uh, am I where I want to be? Nowhere close. Okay. Well, this is going to be a crap day, you know? Yep. (laughs) So, I mean, what, what talk about like a snowball effect of you know, how you feel walking through the world when you're starting with this kind of arbitrary goal that you haven't gotten to, uh, because you 
had an extra glass of water the night before or some something nonsensical like that. Yep. That reminds me. So Nick, my partner, he, he got like some, he got the option to choose like a couple of pride. He like won something, but he got like to choose between a few things and he ended up going with something that was like athletic related. And for some reason with that choice, which was like a Nike gift card or something, they also sent him a scale. And when that thing arrived, I was like, Nick, get that thing out of our house. I was like, what is this demon doing in our house? Cause we haven't had a scale in maybe 10 years. And so I was like, get that thing out of here. Cause I don't want it in my house. I don't want to look at it because it's just a reminder of maybe things that I used to do that I'm definitely not proud of or ways that I used to think that I don't think that way anymore. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Not, not throwing out the scale, but you can do that if you want to, <laughs> but ways to basically measure success, to measure progress, because we like doing that. We like setting goals and hitting them and reaching them and achieving them. Um, but how can you do that without using the scale? And that's what we're going to talk about here. We're going to list off 10 things that you can utilize in your day-to-day practice to help empower you and uplift you on your journey. So what we would recommend is out of these 10 things that we list, choose a couple that resonate specifically with you and start working on those, start measuring your progress, your success with those specific things. So if you're driving, don't write them down, but keep a mental note in your head. If you're not driving and you can write them down, write a couple of them down that you can use later on this week. So before we even get to those, a common thing that we hear from people that we're just talking to, or even clients, or even things that we used to think ourselves is, well, if I don't have a scale, I'm afraid that I'm going to gain a bunch of weight without it, or it holds me accountable. So how can I kind of basically go about my life without using that? And I know I thought that at one point, and that is, that's a real valid concern because again, we're so, it's so ingrained in us that maybe we need a scale in our house, or we need to use a scale when we go to the gym or when we go to the doctor, which by the way, you don't have to be weighed. If you go to the doctor, you can actually elect to not be weighed. And we work through these things with our clients and we lean heavily into these non-scale victories. And we had a list of a lot and we narrowed them down to 10. And so, Katie, let's get into them before we keep talking about other, before I go on other tangents, start us off with number one. All right. So I love this one as a better way to measure kind of how you're feeling that may feel very foreign. And that's that you feel more attuned to your own hunger and fullness cues. Because if we get bogged down, especially those of us who have done this kind of yo-yo dieting for years and years and years, those diets dictate when we're supposed to be hungry and when we're not. And we learn to almost feel guilty about being hungry. So I love this change. Uh, This was one of the biggest change I experienced is that you are more attuned to how and when you feel full and when you are hungry and when you are satisfied. I think that's such a good measure that you're on the right path of paying attention to what's going on inside your body, as opposed to, you know, some type of, some type of outer force telling you when and when not to eat. Yeah. Because you said something, Katie, especially about the hunger piece where progress could also be measured, where maybe you're not as scared of hunger as you once were, because that is definitely a valid fear, especially when you have died at a long time. It's like, I'm hungry. Like I shouldn't be hungry or I don't want to be hungry. I'm not supposed to be hungry. And there's a lot of fear around hunger, especially, especially when we diet. And so if you're more attuned with that, or you look at it as not a quote, you know, bad thing that that's just a 
biological cue, like going to the bathroom or, you know, feeling tired at night. It's a completely natural, normal thing. It is, it's a signal your body's telling you. And if there's maybe less fear associated with it over time, that's progress, which is really exciting. Yes. Oh, so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Number two, in a way to measure progress is that you're letting go of that inner critic. So maybe before where you used to have a lot of, a lot of negative things running rampant through your head, those aren't happening as often, or maybe when they do happen, you're able to redirect them or put a stop to them. One of the biggest changes that I noticed was my inner dialogue changed from really horrible things that I said to myself for making certain choices to changing that to a much more positive inner person. And you should definitely listen to the stress with Trudy Stone, the stress episode that we did. She talked about silencing your inner mean girl, (laughs) which I just just love to picture it like that because I can almost, if I kind of define that inner dialogue as kind of separate from myself, it makes it much easier to be like, Ooh, mean girls. Like I, I definitely ignore them. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't get to, I don't want to sit with them at lunch because they're mean. <laughs> so I, I think that if you notice that as a way that you're kind of noticing your progress, bravo to you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of letting diet rules or guilt or deprivation or fear guide you or negative thoughts guide you, you're flipping that script because those mean girls are no longer dictating what's going on inside your head or influencing those thoughts inside your head. You're really working hard to think differently. And that is a beautiful thing when you can make progress in that area. The next one's fantastic. And a lot of people, this is maybe one of the first things that they notice is that they have more energy. So if you end up kind of eating things that are more aligned with you, you notice that you feel lighter, uh, you have Uh, more energy after you eat instead of feeling sluggish and wanting to take a nap. That was such a big change. And that, I mean, that has a huge effect on how you go throughout the world. So instead of, you know, taking a nap after dinner, you want to take a walk or you want to, you know, put your feet, you know, connect with the earth, take your dog for a walk, have a conversation, be able to read a book without falling asleep on the couch. (laughs) You know, all those things, uh, depending on your lifestyle, you can enjoy the things that you like to do with that with all of that extra energy that you haven't had before. And I think it's such a big change because uh, I always say this, you don't know how tired and sluggish you feel until you start to feel better. And so it's like, whoa, this is what you're supposed to feel like after dinner. That's crazy. It's true though, as you become more in tune with like what foods make you feel good and what foods make you happy and bring you joy. And there's not that guilt and shame associated with it. And when you're more in tune, like we said, number one, with your hunger and your fullness. So you're optimally giving yourself your body, what it needs those energy levels. I mean, that is definitely a great byproduct of all this other work that you're doing. So noticing you having more energy is definitely a way to measure progress. Mm -hmm. The fourth thing you're able to find new ways to cope with your emotions. And the reason we wanted to talk about this one is because when we're working with clients one-on-one through was specifically on intuitive eating there. And again, this comes from Katie and I's own history and the work that we've done on ourselves and the work we do with our clients is we're not always turning to food to cope with our emotions. 
And we always talk about the goal is to never not use food to cope with emotions because emotions are heavily tied into food. That is a, it's a natural human tendency that that's what food is. So when food is no longer your number one coping mechanism and you're making progress and fulfilling your needs and your emotions in other ways. And we talk about this um, in the intuitive eating books, talk about this as well. When you're doing things that are like practicing gratitude. So kind of like what we talked about with number two, where you're shifting your thoughts as best as possible, or you're doing forms of self-care that bring you joy. And self-care doesn't have to look like bubble baths and massages. It could really be anything. It could be taking a 10 minute walk. It could be taking five minutes to read a couple pages in a novel that you really enjoy. It could be painting your fingernails, you know, whatever it is, shaving your legs, whatever it is that you want to do to help bring you joy, to help take care of yourself. That doesn't always involve food. A lot of times it's just taking the time to identify that you're having emotions and just taking a breath and saying, okay, what do I really want in this moment? So if you're able to do that, and that's different from decades of what you did before, I mean, celebrate the crap out of that. That's amazing. And a huge, huge barometer of progress. So when you are stressed, sad, anxious, bored, overwhelmed, whatever it is, the idea is that you're progressing and using coping mechanisms that truly do help you. You have this like toolbox that you're able to go to, to help you through some of these feelings. Yeah. Because guess what? Those feelings are never going to go away because we're human and it's part of life. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Number five. I love this one too. They're all so good. Is that you're eating more mindfully. So we've talked about this tons of times where we're all busy. Sometimes we're just sitting, we're scarfing. We don't even know what we ate. We're taking a minute to two minutes to kind of just get through it. It's just, you know, eating mealtime. It's just our, on our to-do list. And we're just trying to get to the next thing where if we're taking our time, if you're noticing that you can appreciate the food, uh, practice gratitude and where that food came from, taste, actually tasting the food, smelling it, looking at it, enjoying it and choosing those foods. Like we said in the previous one, more mindfully where we're like, okay, what do I really want to eat in this moment? Choosing it with an intuitive mindset in mind where you're taking your time and really zeroing in on what you want in that moment. You're basically eating more mindfully. You're progressing in that area. Maybe you're eating with less distractions, or maybe you're, like you said, actually taking the time to taste the food that you're eating or (laughs) taking an extra five minutes versus just eating in two minutes, whatever that looks like for you. Cause again, it's going to look different for everybody, but evolving in that practice is progress. It is absolute progress. Number six is your view on movement shifts. And what we mean by this is maybe you're starting to enjoy movement. It's fun again. And maybe not just that, maybe you're, you're trying new movements out that you never thought you would try before. So you're kind of challenging yourself in that way. Kind of like when you were a kid and you just go outside and play and do whatever you wanted, you're doing that. Maybe your flexibility is improving. Maybe you're actually exercising for fun and not punishment like you used to do when you were dieting. Maybe you work out or move during the day because you actually enjoy it. 
not because you need to quote burn calories. Maybe you can lift more weight, whatever that looks like. Maybe the idea is that your view on movement is shifting to one that just, again, we talk about alignment a lot, but it's shifting to one that feels more aligned. It feels more joyful. It feels more intuitive than something that's like militant or a punishment. It takes a lot to reprogram our brains to think about changing that mindset instead of, I have to do this something and changing it to, Ooh, I get to do this. And it makes me feel fantastic. And it's something that I look forward to. Number seven, a great way to kind of measure our progress as opposed to that scale number is a different set of numbers. So this is the only time we're going to use a different set of numbers is that you notice that your lab markers are improving. So maybe your high cholesterol is lowering. Those are the numbers that you can actually look at and, and use them as a nice barometer, but still not the only things that we want to say pass or fail or success or failure, but they're, but but they're one of those numbers that it's okay to kind of look that, look at that and use that as a marker for progress. Yep. Yeah. Cause even these numbers, they, food isn't the only thing that affects these numbers again, which is kind of the general idea of what we're trying to talk about here is that there are so many factors that influence things, even like these lab markers, and they can be used as a way to measure your progress. If you're working on intuitive eating, if you're working on improving your relationship with movement, if you're working on self-care and gratitude, all these things could potentially lead to improving your lab markers as well. So, which can be uh, a, a fun number to see change if that's what you're wanting to do. Number eight, you know, we have to talk about this, especially me, because I love talking about bowel movements (laughs) is that your bowel movements have improved. That could be another way to measure your progress is that maybe your digestion is getting a little bit better. Maybe you're not having as much bloating because you're paying attention to what you're eating and what makes you feel good and what makes you, what makes your stomach, you know, uncomfortable and what doesn't. So that could be a way to measure your success as well as maybe your, your, you're going to the bathroom more regularly, or maybe you're straining less on the toilet, or maybe you had loose stools a lot and those aren't happening as much, or maybe you would get really bloated after eating certain foods, but you're like, Oh, I, I I know what those are now. And so I can adapt and adjust. And my bloating isn't happening as often, all those great things that can come with, again, just being a bit more intuitive. Yeah, actually definitely, definitely helped me with this. Like I would get a stomach ache almost every time I ate, you don't really know how much that's affecting you until you start to feel better. We laugh about it and joke about it because it's kind of silly because we're talking about poop, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, but it's serious. I mean, that is really life-changing stuff. So uh, for some of us, that is a huge improvement and was a way better byproduct than, (laughs) than weight loss. So number nine is your sleeping improves. Oh, what a good one. And it has such a huge effect on, on so many aspects of our life. And, and I say that speaking, this is another big change that I saw. This is a good reminder of like all the, (laughs) all the progress that I've made. So it's good for me too. I used to work really late and would end up not eating all day and then having like a really heavy, heavy 
fatty, you know, usually dairy infused type of meal, and then just feel absolutely miserable and toss and turn for most of the night and then rinse, repeat the next day. So sleeping was a big issue because it affects so many things in our life, how our skin looks, how we feel, you know, our energy levels, how our digestion is. It's such a it seems like a small thing, but it really like spider webs out into all the different things that it affects. So if you can sleep better, you know, talk about quality of life improvement, such a big one. Yeah, it really is. And it's interesting because all of these things, they're all different. They're all unique in ways to measure progress, but they're also all yes. kind of intertwined. Yes. They all tie together in some shape or fashion. Yeah. So to summarize everything, number 10 is you have more confidence. So as you start working on teaching the diet culture, messaging, improving your relationship with food, your body image, your self-worth, working on gratitude and self-care, you'll feel more confident when those negative thoughts running amok in your head, you'll feel more confident when you're working on these things, the confidence level just it increases. You can't help it. And that's part of progress as well is the confidence will basically just filter out into how you act in relationships at your job, with your family, with your friends and daily interactions. When you go to a restaurant or at the grocery store, it makes a difference. And people notice that. And most importantly, you'll notice that you'll notice that improvement in your confidence level, your confidence level in yourself and your decision-making and so many things that can be just so incredibly impactful. Yeah. And I think it goes to kind of what we've talked about before, where, you know, our thoughts directly influence those beliefs, which directly influence our actions, which directly influence our reality. So being, having the confidence to think internally, like I got this, like no problem. Like, uh, I can meet this new person. I can go on this first date. I can ask for a raise. I can go try out this new exercise class. I can sign up for college. You know, the it's endless. Those, I mean, talk about a measure of progress. That is what's going to, you know, push your life into kind of the, the good to great column, you know, it's not going to be that number on that scale. It's like, oh my gosh, can I walk through life and thinking that I am the, I am the queen that I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. So those are 10 ways to measure success. And like, like we said at the beginning, pick a couple that resonate with you and start working on them or start using them as ways to measure your success throughout your journey, whatever that is. Next week, we're going to talk about good or bad foods. Oh, but wait, are there any good or bad foods? Ooh, Ooh. Stay tuned because we're going to talk all about it. Oh my gosh, it's going to be such an amazing episode. So again, this was part two of a three-part series. And next week, we're going to round it out with a, a, a hot conversation, I would like to say. So we will see you next time. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.